0: Good morning. Good morning, my name is Rand Everhard, and it's my honor to be here this morning. I get to serve in congregational care where um, the topic of this message and the, uh, the things I want to cover this morning get to play out each and every day. And that's the thing about uh, empathy is our Lord entered our lives and he stays there with us. In the midst of pain, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of uncertainty, good report, bad report, uh, the Lord came to fulfill His calling, His purpose. He understood His identity, and uh, I want to talk to you about that this morning. Hopefully, uh, my heart rate comes down a little bit. It's been a minute since I've been up here. Um, I was, I was going to try to make a little funny joke, like, Cardio, your heart rate goes up, but you know it's going to come down. And in this case, I don't know if it's going to come down, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) It's been a minute. Well, just a word of encouragement to start. Um, Life's hard, and we need each other, and we need the church to understand um, our purpose, and we need uh, the truth that informs. Um, right living and we need right living that invites us deeper into God's purpose and plan for us and in that plan we find uh, the fruit of the spirit we find peace that transcends understanding and contentment we find value we find uh, our place in the midst of any complication that life presents we find our place there because as we understand it Excuse me. As we understand our purpose, God can use us anywhere. So let me open in prayer. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you that in the midst of a week of challenges this week, uh, focusing on this topic, that you remind me of how unimportant. I am compared to the other but Lord thank you that you look down on my life, on each of our lives and because of the work of the cross we're invited to enter into the fullness of life as Jesus intended, that he died that we might have life to the full, have it now and into eternity as we place our faith, our hope, our confidence in him We just pray that the word this morning would be accurately interpreted, uh, faithful in delivery, clear, and that it would access the hearts of many for your glory. Just bless this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So interesting uh, God humor, Uh, 15 years to the date, um, and now 18 years to the date, uh, I've been down bad in my life and life never presents any promises to any of us but when our situation our circumstances become this, uh, this lack of hope becomes a lack of ambition and intentionality we become we look inward to the things of our lives that, that we think we need that would offset um, a burden, offset A feeling offset um, a chemical issue, a chemical dependency, or chemical abuse. And the world tells us that our value is only measured by what we can contribute and our business card and people's assessment of us. But the Lord uh, has a very different um, idea of who each of us are. And in the depths of my despair um, through years of addiction, um, God laughs at this, this delayed obedience, this thing that would hold me back or you back. And he says, I'm going to place you as a testimonial, a proclamation of faith on the 18th year to the day, June 23rd, and a place where you can share your faith. Um, exactly that many years ago today, I set down my last alcoholic beverage and some. I don't need to get into what. But um, that sum created great delay in my life. And to the day, I stand up here um, as a changing life. i got a long way to go, but God is, is, is rich in mercy and grace. He's the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And I get to share this morning as a person who is not trying to say sober, hanging a number on a mantle, um, but a person that is fully aware of a God that's bigger than me. And because of that, understanding his character and nature day to day, which gives me desire to come to an end to myself and a decision to walk as he walked. See, there's a difference between between desire and decision. Desire is one-dimensional. Desire to change has one part of transformation of the heart. But when you make a decision to change, the evidence of Christ in you, the fruit of the Spirit, the resurrection of Christ, the living God, is evident in our lives when we make decisions daily for change. So 13, on the 13th year of this same date, I had the opportunity to walk the steps of Christ the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem. The Stations of the Cross is where he eventually went to Calvary on your behalf and mine. So there is a God, and he, he's a God of uh, purpose, and he's a God of purpose. Um, second chances, and a God of forgiveness and grace. So the question is, what informs your decisions? What is your end goal in life? Sin is ultimately secret self-love. And when we place ourselves at the center of our will, we'll find that we can never offset this unmet spiritual need, this void of the heart, this burden that sits on our conscience that says, When am I going to be content? When am I going to find the peace that transcends understanding? When am I going to find my created purpose, my calling? And we can't find that as we try to create our own way. And we do find it when we come to the end of ourselves. And we're reliant on um, God's uh, truth and his grace and his love and how he sees us versus how we see ourselves. So a correct view of God requires biblical studies, Christian studies, uh, uh, developing yourself as a believer in the context of the church and Christian community and in the world as you go out, as a, as a difference maker, as a missionally minded person, as you as you look beyond yourselves to the needs of the others, the lost world, and as your heart grows in compassion, God gives you a mission and a purpose that's bigger than you. So no matter what someone's assessment of you and how they tend to critique um, your, your, your attributes and liabilities of, of attitude and action, you can rest assured that no one can give you, take from you what they didn't give you. And as you, as you grow your heart and life, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. So no one can take these things from you, and you don't try to conjure them up and make them evident. They unfold as you understand your identity, your identity in Christ and God's purpose for you. So as these things unfold, the fruit of the Spirit is evident. And it's the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, that nobody can take from you. And see, the thing about material gain and, and prowess and self-interest is we try so whole, hard to hold on to the comforts of our lives as we think they provide worth and value and uh, certainty and accomplishment. But the Lord came into our world um, and suffered in every way, shape, and form um, without fault that we would have an example to look to. And as we fail day by day, God gives us an opportunity as He reaches out and He enters our lives as the high priest of empathy. And I want to talk this morning about how he stood the test of temptation. The root of pleasure is an unmet spiritual need. The root of a, a, a life motivated by selfish gain and pleasure is um, an unmet spiritual need. So what is it that we have this, this ambition for? What is it that we aimlessly wander about in life trying to find something that fits uh, this very complicated mold that we've created that we think leads to to contentment and peace and value in the world. So what happens is when we enter into life apart from the Lord, we we experience what I call the cycle of despair, the cycle of shame. And it it compounds and it builds. And then we have uh, an incorrect view of ourselves, and others around us. But God has given us the ability to look to him, to study a scripture, to understand his purpose and, and how he lived, that we might model that. So the life of Matthew is this. Je- Jesus gave Matthew a new way of life, a new belonging. He was now an accepted person. As a tax collector, Matthew was very much disliked in the ancient world. But God gave him a new identity and a new purpose and he followed the Lord and carefully recorded everything that he observed. Building into this chapter in uh, chapter 4, we see the birth of the Savior. King Herod sets out to kill Christ. Joseph escapes to Egypt. He uh, moves to Galilee to a town called Nazareth and we're all familiar with that. In chapter 3, Very important information informing what happens in chapter 4. Jesus was baptized by John. And we find the first accounts of Jesus' adult ministry in the gospel is unveiled. From his baptism to execution, Jesus stays low and he remains there at our level. Identifying with us at every point, becoming one with us in our humanity. While being at one with the Heavenly Father. So a way to remember the, the idea of atonement is at onement. And through the atonement, we're made one with Christ. The, the penalty that He paid on the cro- cross, we are invited to be at one, to be unified with uh, the living God. And to have a unique purpose on our lives that goes beyond uh, circumstances. And see, that's the thing about passion is you can't teach passion. Um, but have to becomes want to where there is passion. So a lot of people look at the things of God and say, I don't really know if that's going to work for me, or I tried that, or um, I don't really feel or think um, in, those, in those ways. But the thing about uh, Miss McNair, as you, as you well saw there, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of reoccurring disappointment, there's a heart that is surrendered and available to the goodness of God, a faith that's unwavering. Um, and that's what God wants for you this morning and for each of us. The story that trans, uh, transitions from a moment of glory and victory in the, re- in the baptism of Christ is then met with a test that reveals the Lord's mission and certainty around the Father's plans. Um, baptism, temptation, ministry, Jesus' ministry, the cross, and the risen God is, is the gospel as we know it. Jesus not only wants to show us his ministry, and Matthew accounts for that, but he intends to show us our ministry. The meaning of life is for us to find our calling under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So do we try to manage our sin, or do we, when confronted with temptation, think and respond with the power of the living word? And that's what happens in this text. And I'm, I'm going to read Matthew 4 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And... On their hands they will bear up, lest you strike, strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, you shall not put your Lord to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone from me Satan for it is written You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone Him only shall you serve then the devil left him and behold angels came and were ministering to him In all 3 of the temptations recorded here Jesus proves to himself to be proves himself to be what he is assured of being at his baptism the son of God the servant of God, and through baptism he also fulfilled his calling to be the servant of others, the Son of Man, fellowship with the Father and with us. So in the three temptations there are these. And before we, we, we go there, consider the verse in in Hebrews four, fifteen and sixteen, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. So there's three areas where Jesus demonstrates faithfulness, starting in verses four one through four. Our chapter four one through four is the stomach test, and I've put up here halt. And that stands for when you are, it's an acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. The encouragement there is to slow down and wait on the Lord. And the midst of temptation is so easy to fall and serve self and fall back into your own ambition. Um, Again, sin is secret self-love where you want what you want. You're going to do what you want to do regardless of what people think or say or need or do. So if you slow down and you, you, you wait on the Lord to give you direction and clarity of purpose, you'll find contentment and you'll find peace even in the midst of a difficult decision. So I'll tell you, day to day, uh, I, I have the great blessing of entering into people's lives as they're in, in difficult situations, be it addiction, be it uh, a hospital, um, a tragedy, death whatever it might be. And it is a, as a high calling and a great gift that all of us are called to, but I, I get to do that day in and day out. And some people are here today that I've entered in to your need and your pain and have done so for years in some cases. And that's the greatest gift that we um, are invited to experience in our lives is to be the presence of hope in the midst of despair. When someone is caught up in, in brokenness and uncertainty, um, And you enter into that place and you just remind them that God is faithful and he is the high priest of empathy and he never leaves. And we're invited to do that day to day for one another. So Jesus is led and the stomach test by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He's led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the Holy Spirit does not lead Jesus specifically into temptation, but into the wilderness to be tempted, to disarm the enemy. He had to demonstrate himself to be faithful in the midst of challenge, in the midst of a weakness, in the midst of desperation, feeling his humanity, feeling hunger, knowing that um, he needed bread to survive and ultimately fulfill the ministry of the cross. And he was willing to do whatever it took, including fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And the enemy comes to him at a week, at a weakness in his, his physical man and tempts him. So we can learn from that that each of us, every believer, can draw upon the loving power of God and agree with the finished work of the cross. And that's what Jesus does in this case. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting... Uh, we We can think back to Adam. The first Adam had been tested and found wanting yet more. He failed in his ability to sustain the perfect life. The second Adam, Jesus Christ himself, is now tested and found faithful. So where one man's obedience under temptation made all sinners, now another man's obedience under temptation is effective for the righteousness of all. In verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See, doubt is a lever of temptation. And human nature lives in doubt of God's reality because it wants to. And hear that. Human nature lives in the reality of doubt because it wants to. See, there are people that we labor with in the things of the Lord that simply don't want to believe. And, you know, for that person, my heart breaks. And I, and I journey with that person throughout life and, and throughout my ministry um, and never give up on them. I never, I never quit believing for them the hope that God um, would affect their lives for good and grab their heart and transcend their minds to the depths of um, their, their true man, their heart. <clears throat> but doubt is the lever of temptation. And where you find justification falling into a lifestyle or an attitude or a self-righteousness or any form of defense mechanism, you probably have doubt closely related to that area. So the truth about you is what God says regardless of your emotions, regardless of your circumstances. And as you understand, the emphasis of this entire message is identity and purpose. As you understand your created purpose... Um, the happiest, most productive person goes about understanding God's purpose for you. And the Lord understood that. And he understood his identity, that he was He was sent to earth to die, having lived a perfect life and die for each of us. And that's a, a gospel truth that we need to be reminded of all the time, that it wasn't just this historical event that is great to give you some concept of a worldview. But it's a living God, as Miss McNair beautifully proclaimed, it's a living God that gives us um, the fruit of the Spirit. It's a living God that gives us the purpose and the mission and the passion to carry it out. So the enemy's voice, how can you claim to be the child of God if you are struggling? And that's that's the enemy's voice that we hear, the self-talk that says, if you really have this faith, then how come you don't feel better or think better? How come you deal with depression? Or how come you deal with uh, uh, anger or addiction or any form of uh, a struggle? And the voice of the Lord says, you are my child. You are created with a purpose to surrender your lives and be about the kingdom of God and be a person of reconciliation that would go out and make a difference to carry the presence of the Lord into uh, those in despair and to, and to stand there with them with empathy. So trust in God's word leads to great transformation. You can't argue a changed life. The blind see. The woman at the well goes and testifies of what she experienced through the ri- li- living Lord. Miss McNair, my life, your life. You can't argue a changed life. When people want to get uh, complicated around apologetics or want to want to justify Uh, a a reason for skepticism or doubt, your life lived in front of them is the greatest indication of Christ in you. Righteousness, holiness, compassion, love, the things that just don't make sense in the natural man. They don't make sense in the flesh. But you, you want to forgive. You want to engage people in their brokenness because you're compelled by the work of God in your life to be that kind of person. And against that, you just can't argue. And people want to minimize and rationalize and justify an attitude or a shortcoming. But the love of a father in this this account, the love of my dad who never gave up on me in the midst of my despair, in the midst of uncertainty, um, is an example of faith lived out and a faith that's transformative. So Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So maybe there's a difference between reading the word and studying the text a little bit and memorizing some scripture versus laboring in the word and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. See, the, the baptism, the temptations are followed by the the Beatitudes, and followed by the, the, the teachings that transform the world. So Jesus entered into these, these stressors and was able to overcome the stomach test, <clears throat> recognizing that physical sustenance was important, but not as eternally significant as the living word of God, which he quotes Deuteronomy and looks back twice to indicate the faithfulness of God in his word. The second test is the scripture test that every man may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the scripture test uh, is in 2 Timothy 3.16 that says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word is complete and is there for us to study. The depths of God are as far as we want to go. The question is, what motivates us more, interest in the world or an interest in understanding his plan for us that we might live into the world as people of reconciliation? In this uh, temptation, Jesus experiences one of the most surprising sources of radical evil in the world, the perverse use of Scripture in verses 5 through 6. You can read that. I I won't take the time to read it now, but the devil... Um, presents the word back to Jesus and uses it out of context and it makes it appear contradictory. And what a sad situation that is that that happened um, in his time and happens in our day as well. As people craft the word to fit their context, their attitude, their actions, their, um, their particular uh, uh, theology or, or doctrine, whatever it may be, they create um, Something that justifies a continuation of an, an absence of correct, a, a correct view of Scripture. So humility and leadership. Jesus is targeted at, his high, at a high place as he is brought higher and higher. And at this point, to the highest point of the temple. Um, for us too, we're targeted as we move up in life. We're targeted to think that we, we are self-made and we've accomplished great works. And we've done it in our own strengths and, and gifting. But the, uh, the enemy reminds us here, as he, as he does, that um, as he attacks Jesus and brings him higher for a, a larger perspective, he reminds us that we're all at the mercy of God, and we all are greatly reliant on his, on, on his mercy and grace. And we're not self-made, and we're a byproduct of... Um, an ongoing uh, surrender, an ongoing willingness to allow the Lord to sit on the throne of our lives. So Jesus answered him, it is also written, don't put your God to the test. Do we follow God or are we asking him to follow us? See, when we test God and we skate the, the, the high risk areas of life, and we ask the Lord to bless that as we're halfway into it, We enter into uh, uncertainty and we we create um, a greater degree of risk in our lives that God's not just going to bless you on your way into the darkness, but he's there with you. If you're willing to acknowledge at any given point the systematic failure of sin and how it plays out, if you're willing to acknowledge at any point and even after the fact that Jesus is Lord and you are not, you'll be restored not only to sanity, and right, li- but right living as well. You'll be restored to his purpose for you. So uh, the enemy took him higher and higher up to the mountain and showed him the kingdom of the world and their splendor. And he said, all this I'll give you if you'll just bow down to me. The Holy Spirit's way is not always into fascinatingly great uh, signs and wonders as it is in the ordinary mundane uh, things of life the cross and suffering for where you are weak there the lord is strong a frequent theme in matthew's, matthew's gospel is everything exalted exalted is to be brought low and everything low is to be exalted those who seek to advance their lives lose them but those who lose their lives will find them I wanted to read 2nd corinthians quickly twelve nine. for my grace is sufficient in you for my strength is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will, not, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on you. Jesus says in the next chapter in verse 5-5 of Matthew, blessed are the meek. Dr. Yusef referenced meek as power under control a year ago, for they will inherit the earth, the visible inheritance of the new heavens and the new earth, the goodness of God amidst Our brokenness and selfish world, the influence of self control versus impulsive and hurried intensity. Martin Luther said this, a man who prayed three hours a day prayer should be brief, intense, and frequent. And you can remember that with the acronym BIF (laughs) brief, intense, and frequent. The third temptation is to make our work our God. We must unapologetically eliminate hurry from our lives. and see, the hurried nature, and this has been a reoccurring theme in in my marriage. Um, If we look at our hurried nature and the sense of urgency we have in life to accomplish a list of tasks, the root system there is often people-pleasing and approval to find worth and value in the midst uh, of our lives. But if we if we unapologetically eliminate hurry, that doesn't mean don't be responsible. It just means eliminate this hurried nature from our lives, and think about the king's uh, the the the, uh, the purposes of God, and make those more of a priority than you striving for um, perfection and, and contentment and trying to put on the uh, the fruit of the Spirit versus letting it grow from the heart and showing. Uh, as evidence of your changing life. So no one can take from you that fruit of the Spirit. Against such thing, there's no law. No one gave that to you. But interestingly, the fruit of the Spirit plays out interpersonally. If you cut yourself off from the world, and especially from believers and unbelievers both, you don't get to experience love as God intended. The self-control, the peace, the, the things of the fruit of the Spirit have to play out in the, in the context of community. So make sure that you don't cut yourself off um, in your pursuit of God. So in the final two verses, Jesus commanded Satan away from him. And he said, he quoted scripture, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So my question is this. Who or what are you serving? And my encouragement for years has been to young people and, and people of all walks of life. Don't allow a substance, a substance, a person, peer pressure, or an emotion to guide your behavior. Don't allow anything to guide your behavior except for the Word of God, your desire to reflect the righteousness and the holiness of a life that is aware of a greater, more important, um, redemptive plan than your own. So as you look beyond yourself and you look to the Lord, you begin to look at others with a newfound compassion. And that's what Jesus did as he entered into these temptations and he stood the test. And because of that, he has more credibility and more truth and more compassion and more empathy than anyone we could look to in the history of man. So if we hold this information, which is the most critical information in history, then let it continually shape your heart and let your heart guide you into the world around you with a sense of compassion that would be about humility, that would be about grace, that would be about mercy, that would be about truth, uh, caring enough about people to tell them what they need to hear. As I quoted in the uh, 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 All Scripture is God-breathed, A gentle rebuke turns away wrath. So don't pride yourself in the truth. Pride yourself in the truth and grace both because that's what Jesus came with, full of grace and truth. So when you're presented with conflict, when you're presented with a wrong view of self, ask yourself what needs to apply here, the truth of what God says or the grace that he modeled for me to be present um, with myself, present with the Lord, present with the brokenness of the world. giving him space to be the the difference maker. So in closing, identity and surrender are present in all three temptations. Central is the word and fulfillment of God's plan. Jesus gets his victory by using the common source accessible to the rest of us as well, the Holy Scripture. So as you go about this week, consider what is my identity what does God say about me? And what is my purpose? What is, it, what is the purpose of the lives of others that are greatly dependent on me to be a faithful example of a life that is changing, a life that is hosting the presence of God, a life that is aware that we're no more important than the next person. And humility, as Christ modeled for us, is the mo- most attractional um, spiritual blessing we embody the humble nature of God in us. So as you go out, think about those things today. And I'm going to close in prayer. And thank you for being here. Lord, thank you that because of your example, we're invited to not take ourselves too seriously. And thank you that you stood the test of temptation. You were without sin. And in the, in the midst of that excellent life lived, you died for us as we were lost and broken, self-focused, and loved with ourselves more than anyone else or more than you. We pray for those that don't understand this message, that it would, it, it would bypass the resistance of the world around us, the skepticism and the lever of doubt on our, in our minds, and access our hearts and do a redemptive work there Just bless us all as we go out. Let us live with excitement and excellence and compassion in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.